Can't bear all these problems all the time. <laughs> all right, well, I've got no agenda on this one for no plan of attack. <laughs> Usually come into these things and kind of have an idea of what we're going to talk about. So I asked John to sort of uh, <laughs> lead the referee, discussion, uh, referee the discussion. Well, I'll just let you um, open it up, and then we'll come. Yeah, yeah. Right. We're recording already, so right. we'll get rolling. Folks, welcome to the podcast. We're in Rockport, Texas this afternoon. What is today? Today's it's, it's Tuesday. Tuesday, the 12th, 12th of February. So we have Laura Fox, James Fox, John Blaha, and myself, Shane. All right. All right. So let's let's let them introduce themselves. Introduce themselves. No absolutely. point in us talking about ourselves. No. But, uh, Laura and James, tell I'm us a little bit about yourself. Laura Fox, wife of James Fox, since been together since '98, and uh, gone through lots of years of fishing and hunting, and now retirement. And he has small doggies now <laughs> instead of big hunting dogs. He's got lap dogs. So been doing great since '98. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. I use that one a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So what's your what's your background uh, or, or work um, experience? I work uh, environmental consulting for Bel Air Environmental, and I've been there since 2001. And um, don't tell them I'm here right now. I'm supposed to be doing important stuff. Well, this is, <laughs> this is this important. Is this is kind of important. This is kind of work. <laughs> this, this is history. It's in the Bel Air yeah. field. I mean, it's in the field. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. So and I'm married to Captain James Fox, and here he is. And it is history. Um, we, Thanks. We, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean that sincerely. We we had feedback after doing a couple of these from A M Corpus Christi and um, a scientist from over there who's more into history. Uh, she's a history professor, but she's like, "Are y'all backing these up to any sort of besides just putting it on the internet? Is there some place or some library where you're backing these up? Because like, because some of the stories that you're sharing or people are sharing." No one's probably ever heard before or ever will hear again, and they're yeah. not documented anywhere. Yeah. Well, I'd so. love to give a shout-out to the Aransas History Center. They have done so much work in interviewing him and getting a lot of these stories down. And people and family have told me ever since I've been with him, you know, he's got to write his stories down. He's got to get this stuff. He's just had so many unique um, experiences on and off the water, and uh, they've been a huge help in um, interviewing him, oral interviews, uh, video They've uh, exhibited some of his uh, artwork and some of our being histor historical in many senses. Fox got to contribute to their uh, culinary exhibit about the history of food and pathways in the Aransas County. But anyway, well, speaking of getting stuff perfect. down, they're yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's a lot great. of work. They, they do is. a great job. All right, Mr. James, what can you tell us? Just been here a long time. Longer than I ever thought. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have believed it. Sure, sure would have taken better care of myself if I'd known this was going to happen. But no, I just been lucky. I guess uh, was it the right place at the right time when everything was starting to happen? We're going to happen. You know, I just uh, met the right people and worked for the right people. And you know, from the time Kilegro, I was in Air Force for four years, and I got out in '66 and <clears throat> and went to work almost immediately within a year for. Uh, running boats and fishing part-time, which I'd done all of my life, you know, working on charter boats at 13 years old and out of Rockport. And, <clears throat> and then I, you know, worked, went to work for Carl Kruger, who's developing Key Allegro, and uh, running, doing all of his entertainment, duck hunting, fishing, all of that, that type work for him, running, running their offshore boats and inshore boats and everything. And just uh, was at the right place at the right time and when everything was uh, 
when it was happening, that way, when it was happening, from, you know, when the redfish was, people realized what was happening with the redfish and speckled trout and the rest of the game fish, but especially the redfish caught the attention of everybody first, and there was people down here, down here fishing a long time that I don't think they've ever seen a redfish, much less uh, probably in a picture, but uh, they never caught one. And there was a lot of people, uh, even local people, restaurants didn't. They just thought they were going to put it, get put out of business overnight. Well, it didn't happen. Yeah, and their sales went through the ceiling on everything else but redfish, or game fish. So it was a good thing. And I was just followed that trail and then thought about getting out of it a couple of times, but didn't do it. And I'm glad I didn't. I, I had a good ride. How many years did you put it on the water? Offshore and then the bay stuff. Yeah. How many years total on the water? Which Oh, Lord. Well, full-time since 68 when I finally got going again, or 66 when I got back out of the service. And then and then I worked uh, probably from the time I was 13 to 16 or 17 years old, when I, 18 years old when I graduated from high school. Prior to that, yeah. Until the end, until now. I mean, until I quit about 10 years ago. And that was because of my neck. I beat everything out of my neck. And In hindsight, bull riding and... Bay boats for many, many years was not. Just I beat everything out of yeah. me. I had yeah. everything left yeah. to give. Yeah. But it was good. It's, I enjoyed it. I can't say that I'd do, do anything different, but a few things, but I'd be, I, would, uh, I would stay in this career field for what I did and what I was, you know, what I was doing. So uh, would you, you've seen the fishery totally change. 180 degrees. Yeah, it went from, you know, you couldn't even have an, a bay tournament back then. Because you wouldn't catch anything, basically. If you caught one redfish, you might, you know. But it, it, it was this just gone from, I don't know how you call it, from one extreme to the other. Yeah. From from the worst you could imagine to the greatest you can imagine. Well, yeah, now we have people complaining there's too yeah, many. There's, there's too many, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Damn redfish, you know, yeah. one trout. I'm, you know, yeah. But, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a whole different system. And in a way, you know, I actually had an old guy, Lloyd Dreyer, out of Porter Ranges. He's. Older than I am, and he's dead now, but he, he actually told me one time, he says, you know, Fox, he said, I actually couldn't believe you, even with the limits and the limits we've got on trout and redfish, that you could deplete a resource even with limits. You know, that's you know, back to when the guides would keep 50 fish and the clients would keep 50. I mean, not 50 fish, the guides would keep 50, but they'd keep their limits. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you had four people in a boat, that's 40 fish. Plus the guides, that's 50 fish. You do that every day, every day, every day, every day. System can handle it. And it's not just one one person. I mean, no, no, it's, it's not that. It's not the guides doing it. It's the it's the, just the mi mindset people got. You know, if I bring a, a group of four people and me, you know, customers down, I ought to be able to take 50 redfish, uh, 50 trout back in, and 25 redfish or whatever the limit was, you know, at the time. And as far as you can't do that. Well, <laughs> as a person who accepted his phone calls and reservations half the time, it's my favorite thing when he'd come in from a long, hot day to say on a Thursday, oh, this person just called from San Antonio and they want to fish Saturday. And after they have their limit of redfish, they want their limit of trout. And then they'll go look for flounder. <laughs> and he'd just look at me and go, ah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a, renew it's a renewable resource, but it's a finite resource. Mm -hmm. you, you, you can't just keep... Uh, prosecuting yeah, it yeah. you know constantly you have yeah, to have to, that system only, that it only read your charges itself every so often right until you get you know you first and, uh, got involved with save our seas or gcca yeah. what came first back 
in the early, uh, I guess, uh, probably 70s? Early 70s. Early 70s. Save our seas. And yeah, we started as a bunch of us, uh, Jack, Jack Cowan and Walter Fonderan and some of the other people, uh, Dusty Cartmel, we've got, we've got uh, Porter Connor, and a few other people, uh, judges, Judge uh, Max Bennett out of Corpus, and just uh, there was a group of about 15 or 20 people from this area, plus mm -hmm. the people we knew from up the coast, started a called SOS Save Our Seas, and just to try to get to see somebody in Austin was like pulling teeth. Couldn't be done. I mean, you had to know somebody that knew somebody could get you in. And finally, we did get a uh, audience with the governor, who was Dolph Briscoe at the time. But uh, I guess it was our first introduction to the governor, but it was a long walk getting there. Yeah. Right. I guess then eventually all that kind of evolved into GCCA. But, you know, it's where you went from there to GCCA and then evolved to where we are now. So in, the, in those early days, whether it was Save Our Seas or GCCA, did, were you ever personally – Confronted or, oh, yeah. or oh, yeah. attacked, no, but yeah, well, yeah. So it was, it was on what a, was that like? Well, it was just uh, intimidating, you know, to say the least. And you got these barefoot people that want to take your head off, you know, <laughs> or threaten you on the water with a with a flounder gear or a pole about sixteen foot long. But yeah, we it was on not a daily basis, but it was it happened. Well, they would see you across the bay, and they'd come. Oh, oh well, yeah, they'd come flats, so they'd come burning up on you in their skiffs and stuff. And and for a long time, we wouldn't put anything that said SOS GCCA or anything on our skiffs. Because we were running, we were basically target, running basically. the same kind of boats they were, you know, flats. Because yeah. we we were in their in their we were in their country now, with these flat skiffs. We because we, we knew we fished flats, you know, as long as they have. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we we got confronted several times. And Austin, Austin was like a old Southwest, uh, you know, drawdown. You go to one of those hearings, or you go to. I remember when the House Bill, uh, what was it, one thousand, one thousand, one thousand, yeah. they were up there trying to. Yeah, they were up there just hooting and screaming and shouting sea drift people and you know down from down this way and over flower bluff and people like that yeah it was it was it got heated some interesting yeah was, interesting it, stories yeah, come yeah, out of yeah, all that yeah. i'm sure oh yeah and, uh, and but nice it, little packages on your yeah, front door yeah, at yeah. night <laughs> yeah so you know you got to where you be real careful you park your skiff at night and stuff like that yeah and i guess you know you're talking about this involvement with SOS and stuff like that as a, as a full-time guide at that time. And that's probably one of the things that sets you apart from a lot of those, a lot of the guys in the time. Yeah. And, you know, you, you've been part of the seagrass committee, you know, here in the middle coast, the mission Aransas near uh, committee. Uh, you were a founding member of the Aransas Bay chapter. So you, you know, you identified or you recognized that, Hey, we've got to take care of this stuff, or we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna have it in the future. For and sure. uh, you know, I think that's a, a huge, a huge legacy uh, for you uh, I went, to have, and the people that worked with you. I went to, I had an uncle who was a commercial fisherman all his life. His family was all commercial fishermen. My mother comes from a commercial fisherman background, family. But my uncle was a, he he was a man of the water of the sea. He 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 he, he observed things, and he was really. My go-to and my mentor when I wanted to know, really know some, you know, what what he thought. And he said, well, son, he said, let me tell you. He said, come over and sit down. He said, if you take, uh, if you take the 80%, this, the, the food source away from the redfish, and I didn't know what he was talking about at the time. He said, 
you're getting you're getting ready to see in an in industry that's going to blow wide open. And it's, this is getting close to the 80s, right in the 80s, early 80s. He says, you're going to see crabbing industry just go boom, wide open. And he was talking about, you know, the Vietnamese coming in here and then mm-hmm. sitting, sitting up. You just mm-hmm. saw how much you know, crabbing they were into. And, and uh, there was a lot of even Americans crabbing at the time. But uh, he said, the redfish, the crab, the blue crab is 80% of the redfish's diet. And he said, if you take that away from them, don't care if you put a million more baby redfish out there, they're not going to live. They're, they're not going to, redfish are not going to have anything to eat. You can put a million fish out there and it's, mm-hmm. you get, wouldn't get a return on your nickel, you know, because of the deal. And he was right. But uh, I always went to talk to him because he was always kind of had a insight into, he looked beyond his nose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I and, thought it was yeah. cool. You told me that time about one of, uh, one of your fishing guide friends, you know, in the recent past 10 or 15 years ran aground and really got a lot of flack from the guys making fun of him and everything and you said what'd you say that uncle willie said uh, he said he said if you saw me show me a man that never runs aground uh runs a while and i'll show you a man that never's going anywhere yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right cool. you know and that that kind of goes back you know the captains of the day they got a big advantage over the captains of the yesteryear with uh, GPS and all yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, cell phones. Back then, yeah. you're using a stopwatch, cane poles, and, cane poles well, and everything else to try yeah. to figure out. You know, get yeah, it was a different different story back then. Yeah. That uh, every yeah. now everybody can be a captain now. It yeah. Seems like well, you know, everybody tries to be too. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. But, but anyway, it's a uh, yeah. That, that goes into that finite resource uh, discussion. Um, you know, we you, we have to be conscious of the pressure. Yeah. That, that we as anglers and, 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 you know, fishing guides and anyone involved in the fishery put on the resource. Well, cause but I always, uh, always, cause I always wanted to go to Alaska and fish up there, you know, and, and I always kind of like read in the back of the book, you know, the back of the article, look at all the fish they got mm-hmm. going up these rivers and stream, no salmon and what, you know, it's millions of fish. You could keep two. Yeah. And yeah. that was back before we even put, talked about limits probably. Yeah. But you could go up there and keep two fish and bring back two fish all the way to Alaska. <laughs> you could catch all you want and lease them, but you can't bring them back and go look, get them. Go look at the price of going to catch a halibut now. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's yeah. insane. Oh, good Christ. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Did you ever want to give up on, on, on fighting for the resource through all through all uh, that turmoil? And, and you, I mean, you ever just tell you this just isn't worth it? No, you know, at first it it looked like it was going to be really, really, really tough. And then I... I just got to looking at some of the people that were involved. And then when we got going up the ladder, getting them into the legislatures and governors and speakers of the houses and stuff like that, it, oh, yeah, it, uh, I'll follow that chair when I run out of breath. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, I think I was just was willing to see how far it was going to go. Because I had a feeling it was gonna it was gonna work. It's gonna take take a while and take a little bit more work and some more people getting involved. But it, yeah. I, I, I kind of felt it was gonna work. Well, the, the progress was shown, wasn't it? I mean, uh, well, yeah, it was. Uh, it was some up when we got him t- talking about House Bill One Thousand, and it looked like it was gonna pass. And it was, I think, I think that was the the turning over point for me as far as staying in it. Yeah. Because once we got there, there, yeah, it, it looked like it was gonna rock and roll then. I mean, that's a 
you know, that's a time where you say, you know what, we can, yeah. we can make a change. We got and this far. I think we can go a little yeah, further. You, you, you got a, pick you, you got a group of people in there that understood the political system somewhat and, and knew how to navigate it and and get it to that point. And uh, you had well, a vocal group, and that's something we stress all the time. And I, I, you know, I'm thankful that Shane was hired. I mean, to me, that's one of the best hires we've ever made. Uh, but getting our membership involved and that I think that was a big part of how we were able to, you know, make the changes in the oyster fishery we did in the last legislative session. And um, we were in a meeting today, and it was just mentioned, yeah, we've heard from your members, you mm-hmm. know. So uh, that clout's there, and it's because of those efforts from yourself and others in those other earlier days to show that you can make a change in, in within the fisheries and the management of the fisheries, but you've got to be active to do yeah. so. Yeah. Well, and I think CCA is cool because you see some organizations just become outdated and their membership just, you know, is, is older and then fades away. But CCA, I mean, young people, everybody, the youth, I mean, everybody's involved. And yeah. That, you know, that kind of, you know, you've got to be dynamic. And when CCA put both feet in the Habitat Arena 10 years ago, 11 years ago, and you saw a change, not only in fundraising, you saw a change in, membership and and it gave something i mean you've got to have those advocacy battles you've got to have those battles and that's you know like shane's key part to to make things happen but when that membership can actually put their hands on something lately boom it's, it's boom yeah, yeah. So i'll uh, kind of talking about habitat on what's some of the biggest changes you've seen in habitat you know in the coastal bend along the texas coast Hurricane Harvey? No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, well, major, major storms that come and go. I saw devastation. A lot of storms had since the early 40s or somewhere along, as far back as I can remember. But it's, I guess the biggest thing I've seen as is just take managing. the. I've seen the destruction of some seagrasses in places where we had seagrass before. We don't have them anymore. And I, some of it's from... There were more more shallow water boat, draft boats running in it, and I don't know that that's the total problem. But uh, your weather patterns change. Seagrass gets so cold it breaks off, and it takes it a while to to, to regenerate and come back. Uh, but it, it cycles from year to year. But I have seen where certain areas of the flats and and places that are real 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 uh, accessible to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Redfish Bay area, some certain areas around our particular area, it's 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 because of boat traffic and props, props. no 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 question about it. Right. Yeah, yeah. But you know you can't. Uh, I guess you say if you you know if you do a one away problem, you got to manage the problem and not delete right. it, not delete a user group. Right. You know you get the you get the comp, you get the uh, stuff between the airboats and the and the Polish gift people, and you know, it's always going to be conflict. I don't care because you know you can't keep everybody happy. Right. I mean, that's and I think that's the different user groups have got to work together, work together, evolve to work together because it's only getting more, more and more populated. It's gonna, you know, uh, you imagine what it's going to be ten years from now, five years from now. Oh, it's yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, I think mean, I've got what the numbers I heard on the population in the next ten, twenty mm-hmm. years or something. Something crazy. You know, when anybody wants to well, come to the coast. Yeah. When I was a kid, from like before Memorial Day 
say about the middle of August when school was going back, a lot of kids had to go play play football, you know, had to go to early practices and all that stuff, you know, like in, say mid-August. And then we all just called, called the, the, the fishing time for us locals was from about uh, Labor Day, after Labor Day. Well, back then it was all the way to no, uh, Thanksgiving before anybody come back down here. There's somebody down here every waking moment of the day now. Mm-hmm. And so we got that, that, <laughs> that time went away yeah. for even locals. Right, absolutely. Well, yeah. As far as bountiful stuff, he's told me that an old neighbor lady next door, y'all get a number two wash tub and walk uh-huh. down a little bay and fill it up. Yeah, it wasn't anything when I was a kid. This lady next door to me. She was with a lady, but she made the best crab cakes in the world, mm. and it was all crab meat too. She'd get me on a usually at, uh, on a Saturday morning, cause she went to church Sunday. But we'd go down to Little Bay. She'd have one, and I'd have one, and we could fill up two number two wash tubs no by, time. by ten ten or eleven o'clock. That's starting about seven o'clock in the morning. Right. But through two or three hours, we could have two number two wash tubs full of solid, solid pack full of jumbo blue crabs like that. Really. Any morning we wanted them. Makes me hungry thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> Little Bay is coming back to life yeah. with the restoration efforts. Yeah, the reason. Right, yeah. Hey, I notice, you know, in the morning if I'm out driving early, I notice, you know, I'll see uh, people out there fishing a lot more than before. Mm-hmm. And the see the fish yeah. slick and the birds. Yeah. It's Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great project there. So Parks and Wildlife's routinely stocking that one with Southern Flounder now. What, in uh, with Little Phoenix, Bay, in oh Little really? Bay. Yeah, when oh. they when they when, in Little Bay, oh, yeah. when they have an Aransas, yeah. when they they have broodstock from Aransas Bay, and whenever they get a successful spawn and grow them out to fingerling size, that's where they that's where they go back in. Awesome. Yeah. It uh, I guess James, if you had one thing you could tell, one thing you could tell the younger guides today, you know, is they. I mean, the guide community, I mean, I've been here for, golly, 14 years full-time, I guess, now. And I've seen a little bit of a turnover of the guide community, and I've seen some of the people get out. I've seen a lot of new young ones get in. But if you could tell, say one thing to those younger guides, up-and-coming guides, what would it be? You're only as good as you were the day before. Hmm. Don't think you're going to be that good every day. Or don't get the perception you're there. It's got to, good to have that attitude, but you don't project it. Right. Just hope you can do it. Main thing is, as a young up-and-coming guy, well, nowadays you got to have good equipment. The tackle boat, your parents. Of course, I didn't care for back that back then. I didn't really care, but I didn't have to. Right. But uh, build you a clientele. A real customer is one that fishes numerous days, and a, and just a customer. He still has relationships with so many people say, from, is, you know, it, and they, their kids, uh, you know, oh, you know, Fox, you know, you practically raised me at the marina. And well, I was, I was talking to, I guess that was uh, Mike Canberra I was talking to, and I said, man, I saw Todd going fishing this morning. I said, it's, and this was Saturday. You know what it was like Saturday. Yeah. He said, man, he says a customer of, of Danny, you know, Danny <laughs> Senior, and uh, they wanted came down, wanted to fish three days. and Wanted to go. He said, they wanted to go, and. Todd took him out, you know. That's and that's a customer that had been, yeah, it was daddy. you know, that was his dad, yeah. and so they, you know, obviously been around a long time. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's more than just a yeah, customer. Yeah. It becomes, like you said, Laura, it becomes a relationship. Yeah, it becomes family. So yeah, yeah, we've got we've got people that I've got people that uh, their kids have had kids, 
Well, their daddy and mother brought them down when they, when we were almost at the same age, you know, and then by the time they were going to college, then I was fishing, you know, guiding. So I'd take them fishing. And then their kids, he eventually got married and had kids, and I'd take them fishing, the kids, that, you know, of the clients. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, now I'm fishing their Grandkids. grandkids. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's. I think know. I think I made it one to one. Grand, I have to look at it, but I think I made it one to where I was fishing one great great kid. One great four yeah. four generations. Yeah, wow, he fixed that's a awesome. couple of corrective behaviors on some <laughs> of the kids while they were. The dads looked at him like that was needed. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I can't imagine uh, James Fox ever shying off from <laughs> making a correction if necessary. I'll get you right out of here. But uh, it, 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 it's just. You, I saw a lot of things that, and I corrected a lot of things, but it 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 was a good life as far as uh you know, because you meet some great great people and you meet oh, some lasting relationships and friendships and yeah. it uh, it was a rewarding career. Yeah, I guess I'm, I was sitting thinking last night, man, how long have I known Fox? I mean, I knew of you, and then I guess I went to work for CCA what 2002 and came down for babes and oh, yeah. kind of oh, yeah. started you know met you and really had yeah. conversations and that was uh, when when our family moved down here full time I would take my daughter Aransas to Old Ducky Inn and mm -hmm. I could always count on Fox he's gonna come over and talk to her and, <laughs> yeah. and then later on he kept on always trying to get me to buy a horse for her I don't know what the <laughs> hell that was about one but. of the family's young girls you know Fox grew his hair into a ponytail by the time we got together and. Um, he come home from coffee in my home office for many years, and uh, one day he came in and they had braided all of his hair like Snoop Dogg. <laughs> he really liked it. And I said, "No, honey, no. One braid's okay, but we're not. Don't let those girls play with your hair." Well, uh, they're all. They're all. They were all about, I guess, anywhere from eight to twelve years old, thirteen years old, maybe. They got a hold of me at a restaurant down at Randis. <laughs> little, little David knows his daughters uh -huh. and a bunch of oh, yeah. kids. They had me. I, I look worse than Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's the that's the beauty of you, James. Is you know you always have always had time to stop and talk to us or anybody in general, and uh, you know I mean you're obviously an icon of icon of this community uh, for sure. Um, Laura, what's it, what's it been like being married to Mister being Mrs. Fox? <laughs> Multifaceted. It's a lot to it. Um, of course, you know our age difference and everything, but when we met. We love the same things. We love nature and our planet and our base systems. And, you know, I was still in college finishing up, and he was more than helpful to take me out on his boat to the mouth of Mission Bay, and I would do a soil profile, and he'd be looking around at pecans that wash down the river and whatever. I mean, we just, you know, we love the Harley and go out and feel the open air and just fun times and lots, of, lots and lots of good people around him. Yeah, talking about Harley, I think – before we got started, he said something about this is the first time he let you have a headphone and microphone. <laughs> he would never allow me to have that system on a motorcycle. I had a little Walkman with a tape deck or something. And I just, you know, he told me just shut up and ride. And that and worked out great. And that was a uh, lot of fun. And, uh, no, I just, uh, you know, I want you know, to personally thank you, you know, for everything you've done for the resource and hopefully help educate some of these other guides and just not just mm -hmm. guides. I mean, just the. General anglers. Just the general yeah, anglers, yeah. you know, everyday anglers. Uh, you know, I know you played a key key role in, in starting uh, Babes on the Bay, which is going to be the 20th year for that tournament. And it's the We never thought it would be. I mean, it's the largest, you big. know, 
one day tournament, especially for women, if not men, and and if not the states in the world, you know, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's the volunteers do an incredible job, and um, you know, it's very conservative, and in, in, in as far as you know what it takes, uh, you know, during the tournament, you know, the bags and stuff like that, and I think it's a it's been a great deal for the community as well. So. Well, and you talk yeah. about having respect on the water, and I know him personally. Know he can get fired up about things and be pretty vocal. We were fishing babes one of the first years, and uh, several just people just cutting us off and then coming into the boat ramp just, you know, and I'm just fired up. I want to, he's just, let it go. And I'm like, who is this person? (laughs) I don't know this boat, James. (laughs) Let it go. It's okay. (laughs) It's, uh. It takes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, like I said, he recognizes we got all coexist and again we we talked about it earlier but just one of the ones to, to recognize that we do have to yeah. take care of the the resources and stuff yeah so. i guess you're also making an example whenever exactly you, you, you gotta you gotta realize it's yeah we just talked about what's it gonna be like in 10 years you're gonna have to take a number yeah and pick a day exactly. and that's your day yeah and you got to go at this time and come in at this time i mean you know i mean i, I can remember the days and i at the time, I was probably fishing more out of uh, Charlie's and stuff up towards, you know, mm-hmm. Port O'Connor. But I remember days going to Santana Bay. And I was like, okay, I hope I don't have any issues. Yeah, because a couple of us be, couple you, be up there. there. You didn't see anybody else yeah. up you there. Know. Now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I get spooky up there a long time ago. Yeah. Because you didn't ever want to see anybody. And then you're going to pray that you didn't see the net fisherman or the trout liner that you had a meeting with in Austin. Or uh-huh. they don't, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's about the same, about about the same the guy that comes guy. along because he's not going to give you a ride in. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's not going to bring you some gas. Do <laughs> uh, you want to – why don't you uh, discuss uh, um, Saltwater Legends? Saltwater Legends, yeah. No, great great point. Yeah, uh, Saltwater Legends tournament tournament put on. Um, Chad Pederick actually runs a tournament. It's been around for several years now. They Every year they induct – different people from along the coast uh into the saltwater hall of fame i I think eventually i think what their goal is to establish a hall of fame somewhere Mm -hmm. uh anyway james was recently inducted uh here what three weeks ago two weeks ago two three weeks ago uh, at the port aranda's tournament and uh it was it was a bitter cold night it was nasty but uh it was for me, it was really something to see the number of people from Rockport that showed, showed out of up. Town. People and drove people from out of from town. Houston, uh, husband, wife, brother, kids. So, you know, that, that speaks to, you know, I think that speaks to your respect, James, and uh, what you've done. And that's the cool thing about that award is, uh, you know, it's you've got to look beyond, man, James is a good fisherman and everybody fishing. you got to look beyond that. And I think as individuals, we have to look beyond – I'm going to be the best fisherman or whatever. We need to look beyond that to be, I want to be a great fisherman, but I want to put that resource first and yeah. take care of that resource. And I think uh, James has set that example for yeah. for sure, his involvement in the different areas he's been involved in. And like I said, I mean, for a, a licensed guide to be involved in that conservation effort in the beginning, that, that speaks volumes. Uh, so – uh, congratulations on that award. Well, thank you. Very, very, very and much deserved. The grandkids, you know, he's yeah. just Pappy, just Pappy James Fox, yeah. you know, and oh, Pappy's got friends and whatever. But to see him 
honored like that. Right. You know, you could see them like, oh, my pappy's kind of my a cool pappy, guy. Yeah. <laughs> got, a cool, got a cool pappy. So, uh, and I haven't seen him since that night. <laughs> <laughs> they have a car now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of them. Right. So, uh, but no. Um, no, when you mentioned that to me, uh, that's what I thought the same thing. To get that sort of peer recognition and not only be recognized for being a good angler, but for being a good coastal advocate, I think speaks volumes to let me work. interject one thing, and I try to inject it to all these younger people. Just going to a banquet and getting a lot of free booze, or not free for what you paid for a couple of tickets, which was real cheap for a meal and entertainment, t- no. entertainment yeah. and alcohol and everything else. But you got to get involved. I'm not talking about just going to, to a banquet and buying a ticket for you and your wife or girlfriend or whatever. There's more that there's more that to that than Meet the eye. A lot of people have to believe in, in what uh, you're doing, what, what the reason you're doing it for, that it's more than just going to ha- having a good night out. Once a year. Once a year. Yeah. You've got, you got to do more. You got, you got to, there's a lot of other things that's behind the scenes that you don't see. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. We can discuss some of those right now. Um, you know, you, you can participate in the chapter by being a board member and getting involved in coastal issues in your direct area, you can, if you're not able to get on the board, you could participate in any sort of public comment period with regards to a fisheries issue or maybe some environmental issue that's going on. You know, people, ex- when, when public meetings are being held and you have an opportunity to speak about you speak. something, to advocate something, you, you need to, to speak. speak. You're, yeah, be, be, be tactful. And not like me sometimes, I get a little wound up. <laughs> passionate. Uh, passionate. <laughs> but your voice will be heard, and it counts. A lot of you think, might not think it does, but it does. Somebody's yep. recording it somewhere at a public meeting. Right. Just paying a membership to a group Doesn't make, does not give you yeah. everything. That's not giving 100%. No. You need to show up for these meetings, yeah. and you need to speak. Yeah. Get involved. Get involved. If you, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, and if, if you can't show up you travel or what, for whatever reason you can't take that time to you know write the absolute best is a handwritten letter yeah. but you know we you know i say we cca texas provides you know we'll do call to action e-blast mm-hmm. with and it's got form letters you can modify it adjust it uh you you know click it and send it in when there's a public you know when there's a public meeting uh you don't necessarily have to speak at that public meeting but it's recognized when you're there. They're counting yeah, numbers yeah. when you're there. Believe me, they know who you are. They know who you are. There's and there's in some meetings they may provide a card or something that you know. Do you agree or disagree or whatever? Check the box. It, it, but you know, we got uh, and it, 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 it may it truly like I said it truly makes a difference. I know in the oyster last legislative session the oyster stuff it made a huge difference. On the, the initial flounder, it, the it made initial it, flounder deal, made a big the, and a, probably the big one was uh, the EPA, the Superfund yep, side of uh, how many waste pits it made. A, how many comments were seen on that? It was well, we had around two thousand coming from yeah. CCA, right. uh, which was the major, which the bulk of the comments right. came from CCA. And so, but we have seventy thousand members. Exactly, we should have a lot more people. We, yeah. You know, how come we don't have thirty? How come we don't have thirty thousand? Right, you know, right, uh, but. Again, it, it makes a difference, and they recognize it. I know after the flounder stuff, it was pointed out. We got a lot of comments from y'all's mm-hmm. people, which yeah. what fourteen hundred, I think, mm-hmm. during like oyster that. stuff. So, man, that's well, awesome. you know, great point. I think great one point. of the things that gave, you, gave y'all a, a tremendous boost in the 
and helping maybe the oyster thing was when they put all those boats in St. Charles Bay year before last and, and last mm. year and the public could drive Just down there because it. it was getting yeah, local it, mm. local do it and people were flooding the newspaper local newspaper and, and the sports riders were coming over and it, like 150, 200 boats right out in the middle of St. Charles Bay on reefs that had never never yep. been commercially harvested and just literally pardon the expression raped in a, and raped in a matter of uh, of two three weeks mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. no yeah. When, when when the when the fleet changed their tactics a lot of attention was raised See, those bays were never open bay but, st charles yeah. bay never been open never been open. No, before now and they're a fair game no yeah, yeah. They, and they went all the way to the head of that bay and all the way back and then they left because they were already taken everything they, could yeah. be taken mm-hmm. yeah raped it totally it was uh yeah or decimated good. might be a better word but well, either one applies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, between St. Charles and Christmas Bay that year, that at uh, I mean, Christmas Bay is probably the one that made me the angriest. Just, I mean, that's why I grew up fishing yeah. and walking those reefs. Yeah. And, and it wasn't as much as what I saw happen to the reefs. It's what I saw happen to that marsh because they were running four-wheelers, UTVs, back and forth yeah. to marsh to get those that. bags. Yeah. It, was, yeah, it, it was turned everything into mud. mud and ball. then they were completely just gross at the harbor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Living so. down there. Uh, oh, what do you mean? Just like the people that were just sanitary, uh, camped out, camped out of down our there. environment. Yeah. Really? Just oh, yeah. yeah, using the restroom and the water yeah. off their boats and yeah, night after night and after night, and they just let it rock and roll here because they, cause they, they spent so much money in town. Well, they all, they would just get, all get in one taxi and go to H E B. Yeah. But and they they would stay at the harbor though and just make a mess out of it and, until the game wardens and the border patrol showed up. And, yeah. yeah, and we. I talked to Parks and Wildlife a little bit about this, and I think John and I are maybe discussed it. But you know, the the the, the men that are trying to make a living harvesting oysters, and, and I guess potentially women, they have no idea what that oyster does. They don't care. It's, it's role in the resource. I don't you know, think they, they care. They don't care. No. I mean, they need to make the money. It's a dollar, and yeah. right. But they have no understanding of yeah, it either. Yeah, yeah. And there's got there needs to be. We're missing an opportunity, I think, to um, we have to. I don't, I don't want to say force, but the oyster industry needs to completely understand the value of that oyster is much greater in the water than it is out of the water. And although it's a commercial, commercially valuable species and they have the opportunity to harvest from public reefs, they need to understand what they're doing to the resource. Well, number, well, exactly number, number one, they don't, they, went through. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, they don't, exactly. they don't, the they don't regard it as a public resource because it's never been addressed as a public resource per se. In, the, in the, like trout and redfish and all the other game right. fish stuff like right, that. Right, right. They're not on equal footing, that's yeah, for sure. Like, oh, no. way off. Yeah. There's right. no comparison. Yeah. But, you know, people, I know 90% of people I know would rather go down and buy a sack of oysters that's opened or, or buy a gallon or pint of that's open because they're not going to open them. You know, they right. lose a hand or something. But but by the same token, the, the people that are harvesting these natural, as they say, is a natural resource, they need to get their act together and treat it as mm-hmm. some education. Not, some, with a, not with education or what, but they need to realize what what that oyster does for the for the, for the entire, yeah. yeah for the entire uh, estuary fishery. Yeah. fishery. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a big missing piece oh, there. It, for there's sure. yeah. filtration. Yeah. Uh, oh, James, any Shane, you got any other thoughts? I want to hear some stories. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like we've got I don't, I don't, storytelling I don't, I don't, I don't portion know. of this podcast. Yeah, I don't know. Well, one thing that you haven't talked about is that you talk about the right place and the right time and all of the wildlife artists right. and how popular, even as a fund uh, source for CCA and other groups, all those wildlife paintings and such. And a lot of those guys are gone now, and 
Soon, a yeah. couple of them would have been gone a lot sooner Deserved. if Fox hadn't uh, intervened. You know, that's another resource that right. modern we have is the weather forecast. <laughs> And they didn't have that advantage. You want to talk about that one when a little that bit, Blue Fox? Northern came I know through. Some of us have heard it, but <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot that haven't heard it. Yeah, you know, that's know. another part of being that that legend. <laughs> legend, legend. Yeah. <laughs> in uh, uh, I guess it's winter. Of, it was New Year's Eve, 1972, 73. Uh, I'd gone across the bay to. I had just one customer, and his son is nine years old. And was going. We taking. I was going to take him across the bay, and there was really no forecast. Back then, we don't have the forecast we got now, but it was just a light northeast wind. And I was towing a little airboat, a little 18-foot airboat, and we ran straight across from uh, Fence Lake. And Where were you running your main boat? What was your – I just towed it. I had a 27-foot outboard, but okay. I, I was towing an airboard, airboat with it. And we just ran over because I knew it wouldn't be – we'd be probably the only ones over, maybe a couple, two or three more. And Jack Cowan was taking his son and two, three of his buddies over to get in a blind I had on the beach. And then Herb Booth was was in another boat that he was running across, him and his son Peter, who was nine years old also. And about, I don't know what time it was, maybe 9, 9.30 in the morning, 9 o'clock. I could tell we got in the blinds about 7 because there was no hurry because there's going to be plenty of birds. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I expected to be back about 10, 10.30 at the latest. But anyway, about, I guess about nine, I could tell something was happening. I, I wasn't paying much attention, but all of a sudden I, I could feel that northeast, northwest wind hit me on the ear, you know, just uh, just a tingle bit of colder, mm-hmm. just a little bit of cold in it. And I knew what was going to happen. I turned around and looked back to the northwest. It looked like a big amoeba coming across the bay. <laughs> it was going to gobble us all up. I mean, it got black and dark. And when it come through, it rained, but it, it rained sideways for about 20 minutes, and then and then it, it then a wind come in. And I swear, I've seen 70 mile an hour winds, and this was every bit of that. And it gets choppy in the bay at 70 miles an hour, even 60 or even less. Mm-hmm. But I began we hit at every every bit of 65 to 70 mile an hour winds. Generally, it didn't last too long, but this was still cranking. And uh. Cowan had a little jet boat that he had designed, and him and his son-in-law <clears throat> was running back across the bay. Uh, they were going to fish in the port bay, and they were going to go run boat boat over, put it on trailer, take it to port bay, and then go back there and wait, and go back and get their get the pretty boys, the poor boys that they had in the duck blinds. Unknowns to me, I didn't know all this action was going on because it or things happening because my back was to to the wind which was at to the northwest but in the meantime Cowan's boat died about a mile and a half offshore it just like you turned the gas off to it and of course it was it was very low sided about that high and it had an inboard jet engine in it and they couldn't figure out what it battery was hot but there was getting no spark to the ignition nothing Mm-hmm. And by then, it's getting pretty wet, and Cowan just has a light slicker coat on because he wasn't dressed for foul weather. And uh, <clears throat> the uh, boat starts bobbing up and down, you know, pretty severely in this, that kind of sea waves. And they're they're anchored about six foot of water, so every one of them is busting over the bow of that little low draft boat. And he's getting soaking wet, and that water temperature was in the 50s. And, uh, his, and his son in law was in the same way. 
and her dog was, was our sitter, and it was getting wet, so it's not designed for that kind of weather either. And so, in the meantime, Cowan had, well, Cowan had, had uh, set off a, shot off a flare in her booth. He was just down the beach away, saw the flare. So he went out there with another little low-sided scooter boat, what we call scooters, and uh, saw what was Cowan happening to Cowan, so he got them on board, and now they're all wet, they're all, you know, they're all in state of confusion. So Herb tried to run that scooter boat with four people and two dogs and all their uh, you know, equipment on this, this decked over boat back to Key Allegro, right straight into it. Well, that doesn't work because they, they, they made about two waves right. and bow went up and the wind just took that boat and blew it over, flipped yeah. it over backwards. Okay. Now they're all, the guns are all in the water and everything, cameras. So Cowan knew where I was coming out at, where I possibly could be coming out of, which was a little bit to the south where they were. And so I still didn't know anything had happened. You didn't know they No, I didn't know they turned on and flipped it. I didn't know any of this was going on because I was further back in the island. Yeah. Well, we'd had we already killed our ducks and we had plenty and we we were kid was getting cold so it was time to go home. So we we came running back uh, to the outside beach where I had my airboat anchored. I mean my skiff anchored, and it's jumping about two foot in the air, three foot in the air, you know, in that shallow water. And I just happened to look out offshore of me and I saw the the fluorescent orange on the life jacket out there in the water. And on the way out there, after get closer to my skiff, and after seeing the life, the, the life jacket, so you know the color of the life jacket, I knew somebody was in the water. I picked up this little half lab, this half half Chesapeake, and I said, "That's her boost dog." I knew the dog. I recognized the dog. Out there in the water. Out there in the water. I picked him up about 100 yards before I got to Cowan and him. And I, I picked up the dog and went on out to Cowan, and he wasn't on the boat. And I said, "Where the hell is Herb?" And Peter. Cowan can barely point to the beach. So cold. He's, he's coming to hypothermia. Yeah. And Joe Allen, his son-in-law, said, he's right over there. Can you see him? And Herb's about 6'6". Six, six. And he had Peter on the shoulder, and he's bouncing to the beach. Probably only five foot of water. But he had to bounce. Bobbing. Yeah. Bobbing. So every wave was breaking over him. Mm. And they were so everybody, everybody soaking wet coming down with hypothermia. So I ran out, ran straight out there, got Herb after got Cowan and got Herb and Peter. And, I, and my boat was about the same size as Cowan's boat, but it, it was outboard, same style of boat. And uh, with that much on, weight on that boat and everything without outboard motor, I wasn't gonna, couldn't make any time hardly. So I said, we're going to St. Joe Island to get y'all in the, over to the Bass's place and get y'all in some showers and hot water and get everything straightened the rack around. And so I got them over to the island, got them up to the, to Bass, uh, the, uh, cowboy's house and bunkhouse and got them in the showers and stuff and got them out of those got some dry clothes for them and, <clears throat> and I called the Coast Guard and said you know we got we got a problem and the guy said well I'll send the boat down there and I said no you're going to send a helicopter down there I got I said I've just picked four people out of the water and I said where these other boys are you're going to have to have a helicopter well why can't we say I said because you can't get there in a, one of your boats yeah. Yeah. they're in the you know they're in the tidal flats Send a helicopter, nobody get hurt. Everybody thinks it'll be fine. So I got, finally talked them into it. And they got the helicopter to come over the island. I believe you said, what is your name? No, I want to know the serial guy. number. <laughs> I want to know the duty officer's name, rank, serial number, because I said it's when he killed one of his kids. I, I want to know who to contact. And uh, 
anyway, then I got the helicopter. I've heard them as grown kids <laughs> tell Fox that. So Calwin painted an original watercolor of the whole incident, and he called it to Fox. Thank God you were there. <laughs> and for some reason, we were some poor mans or somewhere, and whoever those kids were that you saved, they were saying, oh, you know, we were hunched down and huddled down in that blind. We're about to die of the cold, and we're thinking like the movies, you know, what if this helicopter, like, and they said all of a sudden they could hear it. Feel it. But anyway, uh, they brought us back, and uh, we got everybody put back together. And the and dog died. The dog, dog, dog died. He drank. He, he the setter. Yeah. Yeah. He's our setter died. He's buried in my backyard of one of my old houses up my, in my neighborhood. But uh, he's a uh, he was only a fatality. Or was all, everyone had life vests that? Oh yeah, that yeah, everybody, yeah. Everybody had life vests and everything was good. But uh, wow, it was just it could have been a lot worse. Absolutely. Yeah, that was because if I if I chose to go a different direction out of there to get to the to the ranch house or get to the behind mud island to come around mm-hmm. a calmer way it could have been a lot worse well our good friend is steve russell another local wildlife no, artist <laughs> and uh, he, he told fox you know damn it you could have wiped out some of my competition <laughs> <laughs> steve russell said i could have gone from number two to number number four number four number four to number two automatically but anyway yeah yeah i mean honestly i mean that's a little that's a game changer in the whole world of conservation. You think about all the artwork yeah. oh, that yeah. was sold for not only CCA but Ducks, Ducks Unlimited. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure her probably had stuff. Oh, like Quail Unlimited. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he had, yeah. You know, um, turkeys, turkeys Unlimited. He had it. Yeah, everything that had a bird in it. He had a yeah. Well, and they captured a lot of the beauty of our. Oh, you know, those guys are out yeah. there every day, seeing yeah. these sunrises and seeing all these beautiful things. And you know, when he retired, he had a, a BlackBerry phone, and he would still get up super early in the morning and go to coffee with his friends. But he started taking sunrise photographs, and just you know, put them on Facebook right. or whatever. And it, it became so people, when he wouldn't post, they'd call and say, Fox? "Where's Fox?" You know, <laughs> yeah. and it evolved to him doing a, a photography business and. Um, He's yeah, just got an eye for it from being yeah, out yeah. there forever. Well, if you can't be on the water, you might as well be looking at something that, yeah, that, yeah. that puts you in that water. place. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Well, and he's all everybody's local weatherman still. Yeah. You know, everybody's got the apps <laughs> on their phone, but they call Fox. And be pouring down rain, and he'll get in his truck and go down to our neighbors and check their rain gauge and report to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so did that experience, in the, did that change you? What's that? The rescue. The rescue. Did that, did that do anything to you personally? Did How did it affect you? I guess as as far as affecting me, you, you, you think you're infallible. You know, you think you you can't be harmed. You think you know it to the point that just I've, I've gone over here duck hunting and I know the ducks are, and I'm going to go over there. I've got to go over there. I've got to kill these people some ducks. Well, you don't got to kill yourself or these people. But you you cannot do the same thing every day. You have to get up in the morning and go out and look at it physically. Yeah. Check your weather patterns. See what the weather's doing. Is there anything predicted in? And if there is, don't take a chance because you're dealing with people's lives. You know, they'd much rather come back home alive and kill five or six ducks than they would not come home at all and had the opportunity to kill 100 ducks. Right. You know, so you just got to got to pay attention to what's going on all the time. And if it's not with weather or other things that affect you, dealing with people, their kids, their, mm-hmm. how they act on the boat, you got you got to watch all everything that's going around all the time. You got to be aware, conscious of, and aware of what's happening in your little yeah. area. But I've seen I've seen people dodge a lot of bullets, but 
and get away from get away with it. But they never, 99% of them never did again. Yep. Well, yeah. they learned to respect it. He dodged a big bullet in 2005. He went fishing just a normal day, made him dinner, went to bed, doing our normal schedules, and wake me up in the middle of the night. His hand looked normal. He said, it is on fire. It's just killing me. And it just oh, it was no. like blowing air into a rubber glove. It was just getting bigger so fast. We stayed up all night and watched. He couldn't have a bag of frozen vegetables on it. It hurt too much. Hmm. Hardhead over here, he went to duck in and met his client. We still had plans to go fish. Went and got bait. And I had slept for a couple hours because we'd been up all night. And then when I saw his hand after just those couple of hours, I said, We're, you're going to the emergency room. And we went to Spawn Shoreline and the very smart people there saved his life. Got him on, got him on Two back weeks room. in the hospital. So, yeah, five surgeries. They knew. They knew. Fibrio-Volificus. Yeah. Just before it got really known. And this ER doctor, Mexican lady, never forget her. Sharp. She said, you know, I, and I was going into shock and I was getting really passed out. She says, I know, I'm going to treat this as Vibrio. And she put me on two, two antibiotics real quick. And I, I think to this day that's what saved my life or kept it from spreading. Mm -hmm. Right. What was your open sore? Do you remember even having yeah, what was uh, it? Yeah, I had Not a, even that. It was I had a, a, exactly a, right. I had, a, wedding I had my cousin from Colorado fishing, her and her daughter. And uh, now I could have got it to bait stand or from sure. bait or where, anywhere, but I yeah. Feel it was from back in Copano because it was in August in hot weather and, and it's pretty stagnant back there at times, you know, some of the waters we fished back there. But the only thing I could realize is I, I'd hit my windshield with my wedding band because I, I, was asked by, I was backwards from holding a fish with my left hand versus my right mm -hmm. hand. And I was holding fish in my right hand and I reached like that. On your console? Oh, on my console and I hit the windshield and bit my wedding band back into the my there was nothing you could see back in no. here you couldn't you could, couldn't even see it didn't even bleed huh. it was just scratched just less than a paper cut i mean yeah just a yeah, small just little little, thing. yeah and uh and it got about the size of a raised up spot that looked like you'd stuck a quarter under it was kind of ripply around the edges and about that high you could touch you couldn't touch that place it'd take your knees you could touch all around it hmm. but you couldn't touch that spot you'd take your knees it was terrible that's scary it's like it's like somebody talking hot poker and just stick it in your hmm. i mean yeah, take care of your source. Uh, you didn't. Didn't you do your thesis on my, my thesis on Vibrio yeah. with in oysters and trying to get the Vibrio out of the oysters by feeding them the probiotics? Well, you know, he had we had a, so. a great uh, first aid kit on the boat for his customers. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're there every day, you don't. But you think don't about, even think about it. Yeah, right. I mean, also, the newspaper, the Rockport Pilot, they have a running thing that says "See what I got," and it's right. a fish picture. Well, his cousin had taken a, a picture, and it's this big red fan. His 30, left hand stuck inch up in the fish. gill, and it's in the paper. See what I got? <laughs> well, he got Vibrio. He got Vibrio. <laughs> <laughs> got Vibrio. <laughs> and a nice redfish. Don't take it lightly, <laughs> folks. He wiped down with Clorox. You know what? I, you know what uh, uh, Whatever you I, got. I, I, took, I went to the ER doctor. <laughs> this is just about, about um, I hadn't been back fishing two week, a week. Delora? I said, Delora. I was at the, as the, as at the uh, Goose, Island. Goose Island at the boat ramp. And a guy was, I, I wasn't paying any attention. He was standing with, with a cork, popping cork and a treble hook and practicing casting, flipping, just flipping it backwards when watching back. Is it fly casting almost? No, yeah, fly, <laughs> yeah. fly casting on a popping cork and a treble hook. <laughs> That was a different. You got it through your hand. Anyway, I got I got it in the hand somewhere. Uh, like a those, those 
what are they, those bigger hooks? The oh, a big, uh, you know, a calyx. Circle like, hook. Yeah. Circle, yeah. Like, yeah. Not a circle, but a calyx. Like, yeah. like you, we used to yeah. croakers. It was in your hand, because that was it the whole is, deal. Uh, yeah, the hand yeah. had just was so you, precious. Yeah. yeah, I said, can you come get me? What's the matter? I wouldn't tell you what's the matter. I said, you need to come out and get this guy and pick me up. I think I might go need to see a doctor. <laughs> she said what? And she come in the parking lot. I thought she was going to take me out there. But <laughs> <laughs> After the cussing I got, we just went through all of this, and here you are again. Let's go to the emergency room and get another hook cut Well, we out had been at Spawn Shoreline, very sterile, nice clean environment yeah we went to aransas pass there's no experience <laughs> <laughs> they got these rusty old bolt cutters you know wearing crocs around <laughs> I, talked about, I was talking to an er nurses cleaning everything up and managed me up and i said what do you suggest i could keep him on, on my boat that wouldn't go bad like peroxide goes bad and and different things is hard to manage in on a boat especially a skiff he says uh what, what do you call it a, there's a hippie cleanse. Hippie cleanse. Hippie cleanse. Hippie cleanse. Because yeah. 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 that yeah. blue bottle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. good Surgical yeah. scrub. Yeah. yeah. He said that's the best thing you do. Yeah. He said you can't beat it. Yeah. That's why I highly recommend it. Well, he, my, he my nurse, my nurse wife agrees with that. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 He said just, just, you, you just prick yourself, lightly scratch yourself like you do with hooks, just lightly scratch, bleed a little bit, or you just think scratch. Just take a minute, just, just rub it in. Rub it in, scrub down with it. He says, yep. He was in Spawn for two weeks, and over that time, it became a gathering place for Frog. not only our friends, but the <laughs> hospital employees became friends. Well, when you got a rowdy bunch like that. We had a lot of yeah. snacks and <laughs> goodies people brought us, and uh, his doctor, one of his doctors, was in there visiting with him one day, and Fox asked him, he said, why me? You know, why? This, all, this guy I've been fishing a, forever This guy was everywhere. a Vietnam uh, trauma, trauma specialist. He served in Vietnam. He was a surgical, no, surgical surgeon mm-hmm. in Vietnam. He said he's seen it everything. He said, he said, used to infections and everything. And, he said, and I said, I said what, 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 why did I get, you know, I've got a million acres out there to play in. And I get, one day I get, there's 150, 200, 300 people out there, the same area, and I get it. Why? He said, son, you've been hunting in South Texas all your life. You just, get rattles, you just got rattlesnake bit. Yep. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, I, got, I got a leg infection from s- being in stagnant, in stagnant water yeah. and then in a fly bite. Well, but I don't think mine was Vibrio. Pretty right. sure mine was staff. Mm-hmm. So did your wife save you too? She 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 helped me out tremendously. Yes. I will do a public yes. service announcement here and ask anybody listening to please quit smoking cigarettes or cigars. Fox is sitting here on oxygen, and the day we went to the emergency room for Vibrio, we thought it was going to be a few hours. He had eight cigars in his pocket. I stocked up. I was ready for a trip home. <laughs> Please stop unless you want to be on oxygen. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, I mean, it's the, I was in Florida this summer, and we're fishing, and one of the guys caught a sidecast of damn triple tail right out the boat, and it come, jumped in the boat. And <laughs> Get him I don't there. know if the, the hook nicked me or his fin hit, yeah. nicked me or what. And, you know, I cleaned it up, and that was like on Tuesday, and it was fine. And then, or actually, it was Monday. Tuesday, it's fine. Wednesday, it, you know, it was like it was a little, little red or something. But it was some kind of – time I got back to Houston on Thursday, I went straight to the ER. I mean, it was some kind of some infection. Some staffs staff, staff, yeah. staff will take you take your knee to your knees. But if you wouldn't, two or three days, no. Yeah. You, know, you just got to start that treatment. Yeah. I mean, they no, have to culture it, it in order some, to have yeah. a name for it. So you better it, get treatment before you know. Right. <clears throat> Bottom line is, do you got anything that looks a little red or sore or whatever? Best hundred and fifty. Just go to the doctor. That's Absolutely. right. That's money you'll spend. Yeah. Don't play around with that. We seem to you lose. You read in the paper, you know, at least one angler a yeah. year. Yeah. From, and some from of them it. have been physicians, like a dentist. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Well, yeah. that was one at Poco that year. He was mm-hmm. that you know dentist, and he 
That was that was ugly. I mean, he it's like go to the doctor. Yeah, we had. I'll take care. I'll be okay. Yeah, Yeah. it was. I know a kid that got leg, you know, messed up, and and, uh, he was a young kid. I think he was like in college, freshman, sophomore college. Mm. Big old muscular boy. And they went back to. He wasn't feeling good when he left, and he went uh, didn't do anything that when they got back to Houston until the next day. This dude lady done lost a leg. A lot of people got really spooky after all of the media and everything, and yeah. you know. But like Fox said, you're out there every day, all the time. Just if anything good can come from what he went through, is awareness for other people. Yeah, and I know that our local guide yeah. community, they all oh, yeah. stocked up on their boats and took care of themselves and their clients. And I mean, it's 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 been there forever, and we know that. I just, I mean, social media. Well, I don't, I don't think that we had the pollution in the water like well, we did 20, 30 years ago. I don't, yeah. I'm sure there was people died of maybe. A, case of it but i don't think well we got more people in the water yeah, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. there's it's more pollutants and, pollutants and, and stuff yeah. Yeah. So. did it leave a mark or anything oh that's all plastic surgery all of this is that part oh wow where did they have to graft from like we had a lot of people <laughs> offer <laughs> donations did you really <laughs> skin donors <laughs> i'll give you a piece of my rear <laughs> <laughs> no oh, wow. you, know, yeah, right. you want to know why this hair is hurt <laughs> okay there's anyway. no <laughs> There you go. Well, we, we went south real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, that the, was that the piece from Ronnie Jackson? Or? Yeah, Ronnie Jackson didn't donate nothing. <laughs> Ronnie no, didn't it, have anything to spare. They, cut, they had the whole inside of his hand cut out, even between his fingers. You could see. So we're looking like at the top side of James. Yeah. Hands. I, I remember seeing a few pictures floating around out there. They were. Yeah. Well, this, uh, that's what they cut. This was all laid open like that and they debride his hand every day for four or five days do you get any good pictures yeah okay, okay. I I have guess, some. Oh, yeah. well, that's I the thing the is that you know it was could, kept where's my cell phone <laughs> use that. uh you don't need it right now it's pretty no, gross no. hang on let me well, see he will see the pictures okay well here you find it and i'll tell you well, no, i'm gonna use it for the for the for the, like, the cover for this the cover. podcast oh, okay frankenstein of the sea yeah uh no his you know being the better he got uh, you know, I stayed every night with him at the hospital because he was out of his mind. He needed an advocate, you know, yeah. somebody to call for morphine or something. And yeah. his arm was kept like that. So he'd wake oh, up God. not knowing where he was up in and the swing air. it around. And, yeah. They had to keep it elevated the, the whole time. The entire two weeks. He's probably pretty colorful in there at times. Well, he? He, what he would say, he'd say, it's throbbing like a robin. It's throbbing <laughs> like a robin. He was out of his mind. That was the only thing he could get out. And so, you know, you wait and you wait and you wait for these people to show up, the wound care and yeah. the plastic surgeon and everybody. But yet he's feeling better. And so he's. This food's terrible. I need you to go home and cook me this and, and go do laundry and bring me my pajamas. I don't want to wear this crap. And, you know, so, of course, the second I'm gone, the plastic surgeon comes in and just doesn't introduce himself and just tears everything off his hand. He's in so much pain. And they had all that packing tape in there. Mm-hmm. Start pulling that, stuff, pull that out. stuff out. There. No, yeah, I came nothing. back. He was so mad. And he said, that guy, you know, he had the personality of a goat. <laughs> So the next time he came back, somehow the word goat came up, and he goes, oh, I have goats. <laughs> so then they had that in common, and they had this rapport, you know. This is his hobby. He had a little ranchito out here in the brush somewhere, and he, he had some goats. He, took, he, he raised goats. So when we I went for so the bad. follow-up visit, you know, it stayed wrapped for a week or so after leaving the hospital, and we went for the follow-up to the doctor's office. And it's pretty humbling, too, being in there. You think you've got it bad, and there's yeah. children who are burned victims and yeah, yeah. all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. So we're in there and looking forward to the big unveiling, and he pulls those bandages off. Looked like Frankenstein. Oh, and we looked at each other, and he goes, oh, it looks great. <laughs> like, oh, I hate to see what bad looks like. Oh, God. I'm scrolling for the picture now. So during all that healing, were you, were you was there ever the thought that, oh, well, you're not going to ever have mobility? I was, or I, I was, worried, I was worried about uh, the mobility of the hand because we didn't know. All right. I didn't know if I was going to have any well, dexterity, steps, dexterity to it. I didn't know 
anything. And when he took the bandage and this had a, you know, like a board underneath that, mm -hmm. and his hand would have been, been like that for four weeks, he uh, took that. I said, well, immediately it's going to. You thought you're, you're going to be stuck in that? No, I, th I thought, well, maybe it's going to just, you know, start working immediately. When he took that board and all that wrapping off, my hand was like that. Just atrophied. Yeah, I, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't That's close it. Yeah, he was supposed to start exercises. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, you know, said grab everything you can soft, just keep squeezing it. And I did. <laughs> I mean, I kept that ball, that, you know, rubber balls in my truck, squeeze them. It's another lesson. Do your physical therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I can't believe you. Keep trying to. I'm sure it's. I know it's. I can get it. I can get it from y'all later. Yeah. But sure. that, that's the, being able to see not to gross people out, no, but being able to see what it you have to go through message. or can't go that's through. That's the finished that's product too. Right. You know, and that's what when we saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but let me check this one. Yeah. Don't joke around with Vibrio. No. Or any infection for that matter. Well, speaking of sacks and oysters and stuff and how things. You know, we still live in the house that he was born in in 1940, and his family lived around in the neighborhood, Uncle Willie, and across the street. That house has been torn down now from the hurricane, but every year yeah, on Christmas, they'd get a sack of oysters, oysters and a bottle of whiskey, and all the men would Sit congregate around. over there and get Perfect. out of the women's hair. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Let's see where uh, recent uh, messages are. Okay. Fritz, Fritz is coming through town. I don't know if it's today or tomorrow. Okay. Hey, uh, yeah, you know, Talk about the hurricane, and because uh, you've seen your fair share of storms too. Mm -hmm. He was when we pulled back into town. You know, we had our dogs, the Cowan original, and his rum is what we left with <laughs> my external hard drive. And uh, when he came back, just seeing it through his eyes and his, you know, every leaf being off every that tree, it looked like Halloween. Mm -hmm. And those we were in New Braunfels, and uh, we came in over Port Bay there, and. I'll let you I describe knew. it. He said, this, this is terrible. This is worse this, than Celia. I, I said, this has never happened before. And she kept saying, what do you mean? I said, there's going to be more damage from the, on the west side of the peninsula than there was on the right, on the east side. East side. And it was. That, what, that back there? The way the storm did, yeah. Uh, oh, it, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, when it flushed, it brought that wall of water. I had a friend I talked to, I guess, six months after the storm. And he's, he was staying at a house in 1781. Mm -hmm. It's a prison there zone. And, you know, from 1781, it's just flat all the way back. Redfish right. uh, Redfish Camp, mm -hmm. you know, all the way just back. It's big flat. That's Marty. right on Copano Bay, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Port yeah. Bay, actually. Port Bay, Port Bay, Port Bay and yeah. some of Copano yeah. uh, where uh, Redfish Lodge is. Yep. He said he was walking around the front of the house, and there's some brush and stuff up the front, and he was walking around there. He was looking at the front yard and all this back there and they're in pretty good shape and he said he just happened to walk around the side of the house and the rest of the people were still in the front and he looked he said i couldn't believe it for about two or three minutes he said he saw that goddamn tidal wave coming he said he ever bit a 12 13 14 foot he knew he's high he was right he said he could see it coming across the cross redfish lodge because that that's a house that's almost right. oh, directly yeah. on line from where Redfish Lodge is. Mm -hmm. He said he could see that wall of water coming. And he went around and yelled at those people to get in the house. And he said, probably hadn't been in the house four minutes, five minutes. He said, they were they're already standing in six inches, six feet of water. Mm. And then the G, uh, USGS, I guess that's who it is, a friend of mine in the fly was with him. And they did a survey back here in like Cavassa Creek and mm -hmm. back here in Hitacopano. And they said they swear they measured tide levels up to 13 foot. Back in there? Yeah, back in there, all back in there. 
It's totally empty. Copenhagen. Yeah. Just, just flushed it, and when it, you pull the stopper on that baby, there it comes, boy. Yeah, it does. We looked at the yeah the weather services graph of where the eye it had the timing, the intensity, and where the eye was. Now it went over that Kentucky AGB property and went right, went right, into right the corner. bay. Yeah. Went right over the right over the old bait camp mm -hmm. right here on the causeway. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, uh, and when it come out, it come over too. Yeah, because that's the only place it had to go. Coming over the land, coming around that corner again. Where the hell is that it's picture? Okay, I'll find it. Anyway. I just saw him. I know you're always asking me for them. I always just want them to go away. Yeah, it's a battle scar. No, yeah. for sure. I definitely get those for sure. But uh, well, James, I, I appreciate you doing this. It's no us. problem. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah, this is really good. A pleasure. Anything you need? Oh no, we we thank you and good. thank you for being that coastal advocate for so many years. And I've enjoyed it. It's been fun. It's had its ups and downs, but it's been good. It, uh, like I said, in kind of an iconic community, and like I said, I don't, you know, thank you personally as well, just for like when we moved to Rockport, I, you know, if I knew I needed something, and I didn't, I don't think I really called you too much, but if I had a question or a concern, I'd call James Fox or I'd call Brian Brock. That was my, <laughs> those were my two go-tos. So, uh, really appreciate it, and uh, you know, all the blessings uh, in the world. So, well, yeah. we've got to watch Aransas grow into the young lady she is, yeah. and. And your wife's pretty cool herself. <laughs> I really like her. Laura, we're gonna I'm gonna leave it with you to close. Oh and wow. And you can close with your own thoughts or you can close with the answer to this question. For all the women out there that want to marry a fishing guide, what advice would you give them? <laughs> Get a full time job. <laughs> <laughs> good one. <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> Wash the fishing clothes separately. Uh, I was always worried that a pair of panties was going to stick to the Velcro on the shirts when they show up at the dock or something. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, your schedules are crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a good life, you know, and I, I get to eat lots of fresh seafood. And he's got uh, good people who still help take care of us with providing seafood, Brian Bolden. And um, it's not a bad thing. And he's been lucky to make a, a successful career yeah. out of it. You know, there's a lot of people would like to do that but you know you can finance a truck and finance a boat and do all that stuff and get on the water but you have to be the fisherman that you are to make a business out of it right and so awesome great thank you both so Thanks much y'all thank you thank you mm -hmm. all right real quick before we close this one out i wanted to make a couple of announcements well first of all i wanted to thank james and laura for uh recording that podcast with us john and i thoroughly enjoyed that one and it really was a pleasure to sit down with James and talk about his experiences as a guide on the Midcoast and some of the things that he went through as a fishing guide. So thank you both so much for that. And a special shout-out to the Apple Dumpling Deli on Magnolia Street in Rockport. They allowed us to use their use their restaurant to host the podcast, and it was a, it was a treat for sure. Highly recommend you guys paying them a visit, ordering that chicken salad sandwich. It's the number 14 on their menu. And then follow it up with the homemade brownie and which is one of their best desserts they have there so look them up when you're visiting midcoast pull into rockport go to the apple dumpling deli on magnolia and treat yourself to a wonderful lunch and then two things texas parks and wildlife will be meeting the commission will be meeting on tuesday march 19th for a work session and wednesday march 20th to vote on some issues that may be of interest to our listeners. One is the reduction of speckled trout limits from 
10 to 5 on the upper coast. So you'll, you guys already know we have a five-fish trout limit on the mid-coast and the lower coast, and they're looking to essentially establish a universal bag limit for speckled sea trout on the entire Texas coast and make it a five-fish bag limit. The other proposal is related to a fish that we often see in our base systems, but is primarily regarded as a freshwater fish, and that's the alligator gar. So you can access these proposals starting February 15th on Texas Parks and Wildlife's webpage. You can also look them up on the Texas Register, and that's when the public comment will open on the 15th, and then it will go uh, likely just a day or two prior to the commission meeting. So go online, submit public comment as you see fit, and and, and comment on those two, two proposals. We will be releasing our positions on those on those issues. If you want to take a look at our website, you can go there to, to see our positions on those two issues. But March 20th is the day that the commission will vote. They will have public hearings likely the week of February the 26th, sometime in late February. We'll have public hearings where you can go and, and watch presentations of the proposals and give public comment on them. So I want to let you guys know aware, and be aware that that's, that's happening and you have opportunities to to speak up and have your voice heard. So hope you take advantage of it. All right. Thanks for listening. Stay coastal.